It's time to go one-on-one with DP. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios, here is your host, Derek Pearson. Presented by Beatrice Bakery on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome to one-on-one on a Thursday. It is the cult of personality. Living color. It is not the CM Punk theme. It is, it is living color cult of personality. Yes, CM Punk made it, made it, and took it, brought it back, and gave it to folks. But no, it's, it's, that's that's who that is. Cult of personality. Go get the first album. If you haven't listened to the whole first album, go get it, and just shut the door. Put your headphones on and rock out. Amazing stuff. Uh, 402-464-5685. Hammond text line. Honda Lincoln hotline for you guys that want to contribute and add to the show. Uh, live video streams are up. Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and now Twitter Live. The stream is up. Have at it. Get to it. This hour brought to you by the folks from Ambition Electric. We want to thank Joe Davis uh, for what he does for us on a regular and consistent basis. Um, good, good people, uh, do good business. And that is Joe Davis and ambition electric. Don't make the simple sound ever. The sound from, yeah, don't ever do that. Don't ever, don't ever do that. That sound makes my skin crawl (laughs) just for the record. Um, let's give him his proper due. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten, he wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country. A villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Let's bring him in. Coach Barry Thompson, BT, what's happening, man? DP, are you with me? How are you, you doing? Are you with me? Are you? Yeah. We got we to get that Kurt Franklin clip, DP. Yeah. DP. It's funny. I heard you, I heard you talking old school uh, jerseys. I want to bring back the 1980s shoulder pads. I want to bring back the single bar face mask. Yes, sir. Um, and I want to bring back uh, – Johnny United's high top black leather shoe. Let's let's work that into the mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those need to be. Um, you also that means, but that also means you have to bring back the old fashioned coaches shorts. Oh well, wait a second. Now, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's not get crazy. Let's not get crazy. Let's, let's just, think of the fans. Of the yeah, fans. No, that's what I'm thinking of. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, you're talking about them big drawers. You know, the fat bottom girls make the world go round. Hey, don't, man, don't, that's why they make about songs. Big drawers flopping in the wind. This is why we make. This is why they make songs <laughs> about it. That's why they make songs about it, Barry. This is a statement of fact. We've been in some. We've been in some shady hotels uh, that they yeah. assign for teams, and you just go. 
why come don't on. you love us? Like why? Bertha, Bertha Butt Boogie, come on, man. Come but on. Butt. Yeah. Come on. Man. The sisters, Betty. Yeah. Betty. <laughs> Bathsheba. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Bertha, yeah. Betty, and Bathsheba. Wow. Yeah. That Jimmy Castor bunch. There we Rico. go. I'm giving that to Rico. Jimmy Castor bunch. Uh, you got to go watch the listen to the Bertha Butt Boogie. Mm-hmm. You don't know the song? <laughs> I think you need to find it. I think you got to learn. Find, you need, you, you got to learn. You, 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 Jimmy Castorbunch used to do so many of those those uh, funny songs. Yeah, remember there was a period of time it seemed like that that was a, a popular form for top forty radio. There was uh, Ray Price. Did he do uh, the streak? Yeah, they, remember everybody was streaking. He did that, uh, and then Charlie Daniels did kind of a set satirical song the long hair country boy yep right leave that long hair and then uh there was an older one hot rod lincoln uh i forget who did that but you don't go uh but there was kind of a a funny kind of almost a rap kind of if you think about it well that was Um, when the double dutch bus came through yeah um, yeah turn that up there we go turn it up And the worst video ever made. was jumping when Bertha got off a hush stump. The whistles were blowing and everybody did the bump. But all the time Bertha had been working on a goodie. Now folks call it Bertha Buckboogie. Yes, sir. Hit him, Barry. Yeah. Everybody no go. Question. No question. <laughs> yeah. And then, then remember, Concrete uh, Fighting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Disco Duck. Jones. Disco Duck. Yeah, Disco Duck was that. I think Disco Duck actually hit number one. Yeah. Yeah. If you look it up, Rick Dees and Disco Duck. Yeah, just a but, DJ uh, from L.A. Uh, who put the song together and then went on tour. <laughs> and became an international star. Yeah. Speaking of tour, remember Steve Martin, King Tut? King Tut, well, he would actually play arenas. And, yeah. I mean, people missed that. Like, he would get there with his banjo. And yes. he was exceptional with it. Yeah. But the King Tut song, like, he, I mean, Saturday Night Live, he hosted Saturday Night Live and, and was the musical guest and then broke into, you know, King Tut. Right. And, and to help the list, some of the listeners out, there was a, there was a big tour. And, and it was it was kind of a satirical response because the King Tut remains at one time were, was a big find, and the tour the the artistic tour the artifact tour of it came to the United States, mm-hmm. and people were going crazy over this exhibit, and then of course you know smart satirical people kind of go the other way, and then he he made a song of it kind of making fun. Of it, and then there's of course uh, short people, which nobody can play now. Randy Newman, <laughs> short people, right? Right. Everybody would blow a lid if they like. I was singing the lyrics to short people to a couple kids, and they're like, "You can't say that." I'm like, "They did say it, and it was a hit." Everybody. There were tons of songs that that from back in the day, and tons of movies. So somebody they were talking yeah. about anything Mel Brooks wouldn't be wouldn't be makeable. Um, well, go go back to Chuck Berry, My Dangling. 
And yeah. he was singing about yeah. my thing. Like everybody was yeah. cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, th- was that, but that was rock and roll. Turtle Creek, man, those snappers all around my beak. <laughs> right. There's all the things that you couldn't, I mean, that's just what it is. And we, we mm-hmm. adapt, but yeah, but it's our job as, as the old heads to kind of, you know, just throw those up in the air every now and then and, and, and remind folks of what it was. Um, it was, I, I got the chance to talk to some, some, some Huskers yesterday and, I think there there's a a change in 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 ebb and flow for understanding for these young 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 athletes that they're now starting to understand that there's the physical part of all season, which is getting stronger, faster, et cetera. But I think momentum is gaining in that they're recognizing that they could make up the most distance in film study. TP, you've been listening. You, know, you are listening to my workout again. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. Yes, it, and it's it is the little part of the game. You know, I always use this analogy. I remember when I was coming from school, I was pretty good in school, and in math, there came a certain point where you had to start doing things with the properties of division and multiplication and use them in other forms and there was a period of time where i had missed some kind of i forget exactly but it was clear that i had missed it was something foundational i should have known and i had to go back and once i found it right it unlocked everything for me and i think a lot of players nowadays are like that they 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 have so much of the structure they work really hard and they can do this and do that but sometimes they're missing the subtlety of a detail for instance today um we were on the field and one and i had older quarterbacks so these are young guys in college second second year college heading to college and uh, i was telling them to as they drop back to put their eyes one spot like for the first three steps of a five-step drop and then on four or five they would put their eyes on the target now I started to explain to them why. Like, why would we be throwing this pass off of this move? And they looked at me. They were stumped. I said, well, the only way we would be throwing this particular one is if we had middle field closed. We were going to get pressure. And that linebacker that we're looking at through three is going to tell us everything. If, if he moves over, right, then we know we don't have it. If he comes, then we know we really have it. So either way, we need to look at it. And they were kind of hesitant about this staring thing. And I said to them, look, there's only two major ways to pass the football. One is pure progression. You go one, two, three, and one's open, you throw it, two's open, you throw it, three's open. Or you're putting somebody in conflict. That's it. No matter how you do it, there's somebody that's in a bind. And you have to understand to get your eyes on that person. That person will tell you, whether it's okay to throw the ball or not. And staring at him doesn't is not a bad thing. <laughs> right? And staring at him, <laughs> Let right, him know you're coming. You go, right. If you stare at him and he thinks that you're going to that direction, the more that he goes to the direction that you're not going to, the more wrong he is. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's just – and you could see these light bulbs go off in their face. And I go, you learned a little bit of football today. And they go, yeah. And so you're right. Yes. Digging into the tape understanding you you get all kinds of epiphanies when you look at tape and you start to understand it more sometimes it can be hey 
I only have one eleventh to do. Like I remember when I played college, that was a big epiphany for me. Strange as it may sound, I was looking at film, looking at film, looking at film. And I said, you know what? I only have to worry about my one eleventh. And once I understood, I only had to worry about my one eleventh at the start of the play, and that my one eleventh would tell me everything I needed to know what was to come next. Man, the game got really easy, really easy. So yes, you've been listening in again. Well, Barry, <laughs> well, Barry, talking to these young guys, and this is from a defensive standpoint, right? So, mm-hmm. and and I, I've, I've 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 done the bulk of my work have been from the offensive side and attack. But how mm-hmm. when I had to go over to defense to coach, the advantage that it gave me is that I knew how I would attack me. Right. Right. And to have defensive players look at film and say, from your responsibility, what is your biggest threat? So what 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 thing are you taking away? And then what's your biggest threat? And for linebackers and defensive backs, you often say, what is the biggest – what is the route that you cannot allow? What is the thing yeah. you're going to take away first? Because that's how the offensive coordinator thinks. Yeah. Where are they yeah. weak? Yes. So, in a short form, defensive players should do what I I do and what I encourage my offensive players to is they should study offense, right? And it makes sense that offensive players would study defense. They assume most of their offseason studying defenses and understanding that defensive players should, in a short form, look at offenses, understand what each formation means, what they're trying to do out of them, those types of things. In that sense, it will help them better understand, excuse me, why a coordinator would put them in a certain position. But, yes, when you're talking about threats, right, I take it from a defensive back standpoint, right? So not a linebacker, linebacker, but I played defensive back in college. So I knew that when I lined up with a certain leverage, there was a certain route that I wasn't given up. So if I lined up inside leverage, you're not getting inside. You you can have the outside, but you're not getting inside leverage on, right? You're not going to win that route. And I would have to discipline myself. The other thing from a defensive back standpoint, another epiphany was, when you look at the route tree, and, and when the play starts, there's all these routes that are available to the guy. Say it's one on one. All all these routes that are available, right? But as that receiver starts to move down the field, routes get eliminated, right? And when he gets to about the ten or twelve yard mark, we're down to a handful of routes. That's it. That's all that's left, right? He can go straight. He can go left. He can go right, right? And so that's another way of kind of understanding. Right and being able to play and to be and to be relaxed. Um, the other thing I think with defensive players is really important. If he's not only their alignment, but I think it's kind of what you're talking about. It gets your eyes on the the right thing, like the thing that's gonna that that that's gonna tell you what to do. Right, the thing. And to go back to my example, one eleven. When I understood that all of this stuff, I had one key that I had to look at. And I understood that that key would tell me whether it was it's really simple, whether it was run or whether it was pass. Like I had to understand that first. If it was pass, then my leverage and w- what you were talking about, my threat took over, right? Mm-hmm. I had to have that information going in. But it was really that singular focus on getting my eyes in the right spot so that I could react the right way when the ball was snapped. And it's really that simple. It's not. It's not easy, but it is that simple. 
it, it it's the thing that there's a defensive mantra that 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 a lot of coaches will use in telling idle minds make make bad decisions. Mm. Right? Idle yeah. minds make bad decisions because then it goes to don't go looking for business. Business is coming. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Break yeah. that down. Yeah. Break that down for folks. Well, not a large part of offense is is getting you. You're in a place. A large part of offense is getting you to move out of that place and be putting the receiver where you were. Yeah. Think about the concept of um, what we were working on. Okay. Think about the concept of curl flat. So, for the listeners out there, let's say we've got two receivers to our left. And the furthest one out, in football terms, they call that, they count from the sideline, and it's the number one receiver. The next one in, you know, moving towards you as the quarterback would be number two. So the number one receiver is going to go 10 to 12 yards, uh, 12 yards, and he's going to run a curl. The number two receiver, you know, whatever depth you want, five, seven, eight, he's going to run out. Now, we know that the corner that's over top of the number one receiver unless it's covered too, he has some type of deep responsibility. So he has to get vertical with that, with that curl. Now, the underneath defender, the guy that's, that is responsible for the area underneath, either the flat or getting underneath the curl, right? So he's the guy that's in a bind, right? And so that's the most basic example. I'm going to, Put him. I'm going to throw opposite of where he's going. Yeah, right? Whatever he shows he, you, you do whatever that. he goes. Right, he's there. Now, how would he play that? Well, the way that he plays is he slow plays the curl because of the two patterns. He would rather give up the out than the deeper curl. Right, he can rally to the out. He can be late to the out. Because that's running toward the sideline. So now he picks up a guy to help him, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that concept, it looks like he's in a no-win situation. But defensively, if he slow plays the curl and he keeps getting depth, he'll have a break angle to break right onto the out. So he can screw up the quarterback and force the quarterback into the lesser of the two when he's in a bad situation. So it's a great example of, hey, don't just fly out of there. Get depth right? Play through your window, ball comes, rally to it, and go. And then on the field, you'll see just the opposite. Well, understand the greater route. He goes flying out of there, curls wide open, the guy busts up the seam, and, you know, because the corner's behind him. But that's a great example, right? Where he knows he's in conflict, but if he just slows himself down, if he's patient, he'll win that situation, even though the quarterback may get a completion. Yeah, so I mean, and it's a lot of this is risk reward. What's the greater risk? What's the greater reward? That yeah, nobody wants to get beat deeper than right, and then who is going to get beat him deeper than? Because I can run down a tight end. Mm -hmm. I can't outrun that one receiver out on the edge by himself. Yes, and then it goes with philosophy too, right? So if you're if the defensive philosophy is hey we're playing a team and we know they're going to complete passes then you're deciding which passes do we want them to complete mm-hmm. and the reason that you'd want them to complete the out versus a curl is because probably if you rally to it you got other and the defensive end is peeling and running right he's rushing 
right? The ball's up and he retraces and he's hustling too, that you rally to, that you're forcing them to execute more plays. And the, the more that you force people to prosecute their offense, the more likely it is that they're going to make a mistake. You, of course, want to stop them, right? Mm-hmm. But it's short of sacking the quarterback or the guy throwing an interception. If you're dealing with those set of facts, let's make him play football, right? That's where you are. You got to remember, and defensive players should remember too, uh, they're really outnumbered every play. Mm-hmm. They, they really are. And um, so they're lined up a specific way based on formation. Now that's where linebackers have to come in. <laughs> linebackers ha- have to really understand what formations and motion mean. That's where the intelligence of your defense comes in. If I can understand that every time they're two by two and they motion, I know exactly what they're doing. Okay, I can go play football. You may catch it on me, but as Ray Lewis says, there's going to be a consequence. Yeah, (laughs) there's going to be a consequence. I know what you're doing. You know I know what you're doing. But if you get the ball to him, he's going to pass. That's the way it rocks. But you've got to to study and understand that, right? You know the the front line guys. They're they're down. You know steps, double teams, fighting off defending gaps. Those backers that underneath zone, right? How they're handling things, their recognition of what these fronts and these formations means is everything. The secondary guys, right? Now you're moving back to, hey, I, I'm just playing run pass, right? And then once it's one or the other, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I'm doing it the right way. When you get into the secondary, like I said, safety, you know, they say the when the lineman turns around, she's a linebacker. When the linebacker turns around, she's a safety. When safety turns around, he's six points, mm-hmm. right? Right. So the three <laughs> levels of your defense, if they're working in harmony and everybody's handling their 111, and they run to the ball and tackle, you know, you got a defense that's pretty tough to beat, along with that, that, that those patient feet, right? And the patient feet comes from, I know exactly what's going on, well, right? And to bring it back to what I was saying today with the quarterbacks, once I was describing these combinations to them, right, and why we would be throwing, like it's just a really simple thing. A dig whip combination, old country cover four, right? Mm-hmm. So again, listeners, two receivers. Let's go to your right this time. The furthest out is the number one receiver. He's running the dig. The number two receiver is going in at a forty-five, and he's whipping back out to the sideline. Some people call it pigtail, squirrel, or whatever you want. So what I was telling the quarterback is, hey, go back, put your eyes on that corner through five steps. Make sure that that corner is taking the dig. He's running vertical. When you see him taking the dig and going vertical, you know there's nobody left on the sideline. So then just reset your feet and execute the pass. As soon as they had that concept in their hand, it was boom, 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 right? Because they understood it. They had a thing in their mind and like, oh, okay, you know, this is why I would be throwing this. I'd be throwing this because the defender's telling me it's okay to throw it, right? They're giving and it you to start you. Playing, yeah, and you start playing football like that, and you should have seen the rest of the session. You'd have been proud of it. Well, well I, but, 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 but it's the thing that I probably yelled at you the most in coaching situations all the time. Barry's quarterbacks, my receivers. I would yell this thing so much that Barry would probably never wants to hear it, and he may have some PTSD when I say it right now. In those situations, Barry Thompson, take the layup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> take yeah. the layup. Um, right. They're giving it. They're giving you five yards. 
I'll take that. Please and that's why you liked it because they were executing it over and over again with great location, great timing, right? But it came from the very thing that you're talking about. It was a little, little nugget as we're practicing on the field of like, we're not out here just throwing the football around, right? right? We're playing football, right. right? So we're playing football. I'll give you another quick example. I know we have a break coming up. But I was just, you know, I, I cook up these scenarios for them. Not that I know their particular offenses, but because I know the skill to execute the scenario is something that they're going to have to use, right? So we were running uh, up. The scenario was single high safety. We have a post from the left, and we have a dig from the right. So the scenario was, the, the safety was taking away the, the post. So my instructions were to them, and what some quarterbacks do, if you have the post left, what they'll do is they'll violently swing their head back to the right, and they'll throw the dig, and 90% of the times it's behind the receiver. So I said, here's the scenario. We're looking, at the, we're looking at the safety. We're looking at the post, and the safety takes it away. What I want you to do is come down and check the mic. See if Mike's there. And in this scenario, we're going to come down, and for whatever reason, Mike isn't there, then we're throwing the ball. Right? So it was perfectly in rhythm. The dig comes across, right across the mic spot. The ball's right in over and over and over and over again. So then I said, okay, well, let's play football. And they looked at me and said, okay, well, we all know when you run across the field, you should run if it's man sit down at the zone. I said, now we're going to run instead of a dig, we'll run what's called a hunt route. So as the receiver's going up, he's eyeing Mike. And if he sees Mike drop back in the window, what he's going to do is find Mike in, let's say, Sam or Will. It doesn't matter, right? So now for the quarterback, same. He would look at the post. The, the safety was taken away. He would come down, check Mike, and he would see Mike standing right there. He would reset and then find the, the receiver sitting in the window, right? Mm-hmm. So all skills that they knew, so they could very quickly in about 2.2 seconds get through three, you know, three progressions, right? Right? Three, well, two, two and a half. Mm-hmm. But very calmly. And, and now we're playing football, and the receivers are playing football too. And those little things, those little nuggets for guys on the field are things that a lot of times on the practice field that you just don't get enough time for. So you either have to find it through the film, or you get out there on the field yourself and you start working on it. You know, walk it through. Figure it out. It's not that hard. Nope. And, and I'm noticing, again, one of the things that gives me some confidence and what's happening locally is that I'm hearing the players talk more about understanding tendency. And we'll talk about yeah. that. And we'll talk about tendency when we come back. And we will talk about 40 splits. The difference mm. between past chasers, past rushers, and past throwers. The mm. 40 times matter. We'll talk about that wow. when we come back. Okay. Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store. You're listening to One on One with DP on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.